everybody, welcome to the Be Somebody podcast. The special guest this week is Levi Lobo. That is who I am. And we talked about um, lots of things. Levi, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Beast of the Podcast. Welcome to the Somebody Podcast. Special Levi. guest edition. And Levi Lobo. That's right. <laughs> I never asked you. Is Levi Lobo's like your stage name, right? Yeah, that's my whatever. Well, that's what you go by now. Right? Yeah, that's what I go yeah, by. Cool. It's yeah. a famous name, bro. That's my name. I just thought it sounded really cool. Yeah, it was like cool. And it a guy called cool. me. It. Yeah. Actually, the guy that produced uh, what was it? Uh, Enchanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Josephson, Barry, Barry Josephson. Oh, he's one of the producers for Enchanted. Yeah, he was one of the he produced it, and I I met him in Century City one time in LA, and we were literally it was the craziest weirdest scenario. We were sitting there, I was had a meeting with some other people, in like an hour, and I got there early with my buddy Davey, and we were just working, and like Denzel Washington was like over there in a hoodie, like yeah. just like covered in his hoodie, and I was like that's weird, and then I uh, was sitting down working, and then I think his name is Barry or. Uh, I think it's Barry, but he just rolled up and sat next to us. And he's like, what are you guys doing? You look important. And I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm just working on my computer. And then we ended up talking for like an hour and I learned he was like in Vietnam and like went through all this like war trauma. And dude, that guy was like, and he was such a badass. He's like, I remember him saying to me, saying something to me that stuck out to me. I was like, dude, I, I need to get like searchlight or somebody to like get on the phone with them. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I, I just need to like figure out how to do that. And he's like, you call them. And I was like, I was like, I was so dumb at the time. I was like, I felt everything was so unattainable. Like people were just so far away. Yeah. Um, he's like, he's like, call him and tell him I sent you. And I was like, okay, cool. So I called him up and then I had a great conversation with them over there. And um, yeah, it was just like, he told me to call up the executive, whoever was the green light person at searchlight at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just was so nervous, but he just gave me this like unbrazen confidence because he went through Vietnam and like dealt with all this shit that I, I dude, like I couldn't imagine being yeah. in war. Like what the heck? Mm-hmm. So, um, wait, so then yeah. how, how did he call, call you Levi? Oh yeah. So after like, <laughs> an, after, after like an hour like of going conversation. Going home about Fox Searchlight <laughs> in LA. Denzel does on Washington over here. Okay, hold on a second. Welcome back to another special guest. Oh yeah. This is our friend Levi Lobo. He is an actor. He is a songwriter, a screenwriter, a model. He's a person. He's a human A well-dressed man. Yeah. Today. Nah, I just got this today. Oh, <laughs> for the podcast. And those shoes today. <laughs> nice. So. I want a hat. <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd be wearing hats right now. Um, okay. But yeah, well, so he called me. He was like, what's your name? And I was like, Levi. And then he was like, what's your last name? I was like, Martinez. And then he was like, where are you from? And I was like, New Mexico. He's like, the Lobos. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to put you in as Levi Lobo. And then say my number as Levi Lobo. And since then, I was like, dude, that sounds so cool. Yeah. And I just stuck with it. So That is cool. So yeah. what's it with a V? The what? Why is it with a V? I thought it was Lobo. Lobo. But I've seen it with a V. Levi? Yeah, Levi Lovo. Oh, maybe I misspelled it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, where was that? <laughs> it's like on my Spotify stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, no. But uh, I swear I've seen it with a, with a V. I have an X in the middle of it on Instagram. 
dude i've i've changed i've done so i've deleted my instagram so many times and changed my name so many times i don't even freaking know yeah there's an x in the middle of it right now so that's how okay so back to this conversation just curious. So he just came up to you. Were you guys like wearing suits or like? What I was wearing. That was my suit phase. Oh, that was so when you I just wore a suit everywhere. Yeah, I would just roll around in a suit. People talk to you so different when you roll around in a suit. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're like producing something, so they're like, "What?" So we're talking about like full on like white tie, white coat. <laughs> it was white a shirt tweed tweed jacket. I still have it. I actually have my grandfather's uh, tie clip in it, which is super cool. And then I had like a note. It was a. I wrote a. A monologue, I think it was Brando's monologue or something, and I always had it in my pocket there for some reason. And mm-hmm. they, those are just weird little mementos because I wore that into so many weird places. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but I rolled around in that, and so uh, every day without stop, always put it on. Would yeah. you just go anywhere? Yeah, whenever I would go out. Yeah. Damn. Okay, let's backtrack. Okay. <laughs> so again, you said you said you're from New Mexico. Yeah. Cool. So uh, as Sorry. we're <laughs> so are we as we're getting into it, you know, you're in the entertainment industry like like we are. Hmm. Um, how did it all start? Like where where did they, that come from? Uh, well, I don't even know. I started. Uh, it was like the Extreme Makeover Home Edition family they they built our house like my family was picked to be on that when i was like 13, 14 i think mm-hmm. um before that i think i mean the first memory i know that i wanted to do something in this was i saw zorro when i was like super young i think that was like the, one of the first films that i watched on my own where it was like my own conscious choice to watch yeah. um besides like star wars or something where everyone was watching it but that was like right. i i sat down and i got the dvd and i put it in and i just was like what the heck and uh, that was the first moment for me where I was like, oh, this is super cool. But I just threw it away. I was like, whatever, you know. And then um, probably, I don't know, three, four years after that, Extreme Makeover thing happened. So they rebuilt our house and we just learned one phase of the industry, which was like like the, um, what is it called? Uh, reality TV. Oh, reality TV, TV show stuff. Okay. And, um, Wait, so how was that though? Like they just showed up to your house and was like, hey, your house needs to get re- rebuilt. <laughs> they just rolled up. They don't just go around random houses like, "Hey, we need to rebuild this shit for TV." You know, like so, it sounds really cool if they did, but yeah, they don't. They they um. So my dad was a pastor in the neighborhood, and mm-hmm. so we were really involved in the community for quite some time, and um. Then basically, like they were, ABC was going around looking for families, and they. A church in town, Hoffman Town Church, knew my dad because he was a pretty well-known pastor guy. And because he was in the middle of the war zone. No one wanted to like be pastor in the middle of the war zone, but he was. So they were all like, oh, let's help this guy out. But um, they contacted that church. That church then referred us to the show. And then um, they had some producers fly out and meet us. And I was like 14. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But I remember actually watching the show like religiously with my family. That was one of the things we did on Sundays yeah. uh, after church. But yeah. um, but we were like, oh, that sounds, that's so crazy. I wonder how families get picked, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it never crossed our mind. And then these producers showed up. It was a phone call. I remember I was playing video games with my buddy and the, the phone call came and then they showed up like a week later and interviewed us. Uh, then that was like two years before the house ever got built. Oh. Maybe even three. So oh. like we just like were like, okay, cool. That was fun. Forgot about it. Six months go by. Nothing. A year goes by. 
producers reach out again yo what's up how's it going uh we just wanted to let you know like you're still in the running for this thing it's uh there's like a hundred families <clears throat> and we're like okay cool cool uh that's crazy that we're still for some reason considered um and then another year passed by and so it's like this weird period where we just forget about it and we keep doing what we're doing trying yeah, to help yeah. people and but dude that's a whole nother thing like i grew up like roomating with like people that just got out of jail because we like basically opened our house up to be a like a like a halfway house type of like recovery house wow. in the middle of the international district which is yeah. super weird mm-hmm. uh and I didn't realize that was weird until like yeah. now. That's crazy. <laughs> you know? I didn't know. How was that? Like, uh, it's just that. W- it was cool. I mean, I think I still have like PTSD. Like, I wake up in like frights at night because I'm just like, because like people used to break in or there was like violence. My dad got jumped and just you know like there's always like gang affiliated stuff in the neighborhood. But um, so I always I, it's like there's a part of me that's scared with that kind of stuff. But um, right. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know. <laughs> we just trusted God. Like, we were yeah. like, okay, we're rolling with it. But anyway, somehow, two years, three years ago by, boom, another producer comes by. His name's Matt Fisher. He rolls up. He's with a company called Lock and Key Productions. Um, and they were the company that was pitching two ABC families. I think that was their, like, facet in the in the productions. Yeah. But they interview us some more. Then they say, hey, like, what would your house, what would you want it to look like? And start, like kind of like dreaming with us like what would it be what uh, you want this and we were crazy we we're like we want like secret passages and like yeah. this like slides that go like all over, <laughs> you know um and they're like okay we'll just like calm down and do something more like you know yeah but anyways so um yeah they picked us and all i know is like matt fisher was there they said hey if pack your stuff if there there's five families um if they roll up to your house tomorrow then they picked you mm-hmm. if they didn't don't roll then they pick somebody else right and so we we're sitting there in the house matt fisher the the producer i feel like i'm like giving away all their secrets but uh who cares matt fisher their, their <laughs> producer was in the house with us that morning yeah. and he's such a cool dude um but he took us out to dinner before and just kind of walked us through what it would be like if it happened yeah and um so do you think at this point, like, he knew that oh. they were going to pick you? So, turns out, they knew for, like, six months. Oh. Yeah, because they had to get permits. They had to let the, yeah. the community know around right. us. They had to get the, the schematics. They had to find uh, builders, construction companies that were willing to donate for uh, to be associated with it. Right. Um, they, I mean, you and you get production. Like, dude, that's yeah. that's a whole machine. Right. So and, they told everybody to <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They told me we were in the top five. So they, so all, all I know is like we were in a room like this, and my mom was sitting over there, and we were all like little kids. And um, my mom stands up. She says, "I have to go to the bathroom." And Matt goes, "Sit down." And she's like, "What?" He's like, "Just sit down. Trust me." And then she's like, "Okay." And then like, like twenty seconds later, we hear Ty Pennington yelling out the, the thing with the the yeah, megaphone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like. Martinez family, blah, blah, blah. and so I just, like, I was like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it was genuinely still a surprise because we had yeah. no clue. You know, yeah. we were just like innocent, and we had the philosophy like, we don't deserve this. First of all, and second of all, like, if it happens, that's a complete blessing, and that's cool too. 
but the whole time we were like eh, they not us and so we just were trying to like distance our expectations yeah you know because we loved what we were doing anyways right, right, right. and i was a kid so i didn't really know what yeah, to do. Like, yeah. yeah i was like sick yeah. so then so then i i have it's been a year since i've seen the show so basically they they take you away for like what is it like two weeks three a weeks? week a week actually an actual week they built the house wow five days actually because there's travel days on both sides that jesus yeah. wait so where did you guys like go for a week they flew us out to Disney World and uh, oh really? What <laughs> in, in Florida? Yeah, for that's insane week. for the whole yeah, week. Yeah, wow. and we stayed in this like sick old like resort place, and uh-huh. uh, we had a we had a private um, like uh, chauffeur person. Mm-hmm. She was super. Oh, I wish I remembered her name. She was so sweet, yeah. but she she took us through all the back doors of Disney World and like. We just would cut to the front of the lines. <laughs> and so we got to see like all of Disney World like three times over in one day because you wait in lines, you know, like probably right. like 70% of the time. Right. But we would just like walk to the front of the line, walk to the front of the line, walk to the front of the line. And then they gave us like a stipend for like, like it was like three grand to spend in, in store in Disney to like. Jesus. Yeah, dude, Disney's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> see, I never went to Disneyland when I was a kid. Really? I've never been to Disneyland oh, or any man. amusement park ever. Dude. You gotta go. Yeah. We all gotta freaking do a trip once, only once, and I cried. I cried because I really, really wanted the Mickey Mouse hat, like the Mickey Mouse. Oh yeah, with the ears. <laughs> the snap bag with the fucking. It wasn't a snap yeah. bag, but like it had the fucking ears. And of course, they were sold out. And so my dad, you know, wanting to make this a special day for me, he got me the next best thing, according to him, and that was. Uh, the goofy, not the goofy, it was the Pluto. Pluto, like... Oh, the nose? Like the nose, the nose hat. That's <laughs> cool. Like, That's cool. It's like the bill was just snout, like yeah. the ears came down on the side, like it just, you know. Yeah. And you cry? I didn't like it. Oh, you cried because you didn't like it? I didn't cry. I cried the first time because I, the Mickey Mouse ears were gone. <laughs> I cried the second time because I got it out of the hat. But, you know, looking back, I miss that hat. I wish I had it. Uh, it might be somewhere. I don't know. Did you keep it in, in like the in a box somewhere? I don't Maybe know. Maybe someone will redo our house and we'll go to <laughs> we'll go to Florida. Okay, okay. So then you came back. Yeah. And then it was just like they do the whole move that bus thing, right? They did. Yeah. They <laughs> they threw that on us. So they, they blindfolded us. Over there? Damn. Yeah. This, yeah. Crazy enough. They blindfolded us mm-hmm. and uh, blocked off like the whole area and then there was just so many freaking people it was i was like it was so overwhelming yeah like i'm so like should i have trauma from that no i'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm just so kidding. Then they moved the bus and then you're like yeah it's your house i was like oh cool no did you guys like have like a big party like that yeah night? yeah well they had like yeah we had like all of our close friends and stuff like hang out and hang in the house and I think we were just still trying to figure out what the heck happened, you know, and they did. the And, and so like the thing is, like in any production, you know, uh, you got to make sure you get the content, the shot. So like they're going like I remember the first time we walked into the house. Uh, I think like I tripped on like a brick or something. Yeah. And like the brick popped out <laughs> and they're like, they're like, OK, let's bring that back. And so like we like walked back out and they're like, OK. Go in the house again, yeah. While Ty's like all crazy, like freaking energy guy. Yeah. But um, yeah. So then we went back in the house, but uh, because they have to move the cameras from each 
each room yeah. to capture it. So they do one at a time. Mm-hmm. It's not broken into like four separate. It's not all at once. Right, That's right. my point. It's yeah. it's very strategic, and um, but they still had so much footage. Like there was still like probably two or three cameras running every every minute. But That's yeah, crazy. So then what happened? Like the next day, like everyone just went home and like it was just y'all, or like was there more like to it for the whole week or something? Um, yeah, they well. I mean, we like met with the news and met with a bunch of people about what happened. But um, they gave us like phones for a year. They gave us like memberships to like gyms because everyone was wanting to be involved in some crazy way, like sports and wellness or like yeah. food or what. Like there was just all like everyone in the community wanted to like give, and it was the craziest like what right. what the heck, you know? Um, but it's still cool thinking about that property because i think it represents something for that neighborhood that's important mm-hmm. and that's like uh there is hope in that neighborhood and, and it can be transformed and uh even though uh it goes through its bad phases like right now uh it's not doing great the neighborhood but in the world is not doing great like there's right. so many homeless people right now there's so much like shit like that right now a poverty and not us not knowing how to deal with it um <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think it still represents something strong for the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I, I picked you up like a few weeks ago, and I like saw it, and I didn't even know that <laughs> that happened. I just pulled like I was going through the neighborhood, and yeah, I just turned a corner, and it's just there. And I was like, <laughs> I was like checking my mo- my phone. I was like, is this the right address? Mm-hmm. No, I'll, I'll never forget the feeling of pulling up to your house for the first time because we had gone there yeah. a long time ago for when we first formed the actors group that we have, and just the way that your house stuck out compared to everything else around it is just like wait wait hold up a second it's weird is this a is this like a display or some shit like is it real it is in a way it was like, a display this, of why is this here of all places and then we go away and it, it seemed you know it seemed both connected and isolated hmm. with surroundings I have like a very curious like just a vibe in there it's it's a secret little like beautiful safe haven that my mom and my dad and ty pennington and <laughs> my, uh, a bunch of builders helped yeah. like build for us and this week too like, how many people yeah. did they have working on it i don't know like 100 or 200 or something wow so just out of curiosity did they put any secret slides and stuff like you said so there is actually a secret uh like under the stairs there's a secret space that mm-hmm. um we're actually like renovating right now to, to make a uh, like a reading room that's more open. But yeah, so they're cool. They and I remember I wanted an Xbox really bad, <laughs> uh, and they uh, they didn't get me one because my mom was super against TVs. Right. Uh, I was like homeschooled and stuff, which I loved. But I don't know any different actually. <laughs> but uh, and they got me a, a Xbox after the show was over just because I mentioned it. Like some dude rolled over to the wherever Walmart and pulled up with the Xbox 360 and like hid it in my room where my mom couldn't find it but where oh, I could. Really? Yeah, it was cool. That's so cool. Is that was that part of the the show or is that just kind of like a? That was just no. That wasn't even on the show. That wow. was just like that's, that's the crazy cool. part. Is like the detail of how much giving went into that is f- way far beyond what was even seen in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, they didn't they didn't talk about the the free phones, the free memberships, all this free stuff that we got afterwards. Like, yeah. they didn't talk about any of that um, in the show. They just, like, were like, here's the house, all right, peace, you know? Yeah. And we're like, what? Like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Was it weird, like, living in it? Like, Oh, it, dude, I remember laying there on the first night, just, like, 
looking at the roof. I I mean, I it's in my head right now. I just I'm like, what is this real? <laughs> yeah, you know. And um, yeah, what a ride. Damn. And so it was like. I want to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to that. So then, lying there in bed, you were like, I'm going to be an actor. I was like, this is my college. Yeah, Television. Started, started no. the rebottled ceiling, just like, fuck, I'm going to be an actor. I was like, Xbox 360s? Come on, no. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I, honestly, I didn't really, I just wanted to play music. Like, because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that it was just music at the time. And then, and like lay and like exercise, lay parkour, because that's what they built my room after. But um, I really cared about music. But people kept asking me to like act in things, or asking me to be in a play, or this or that. And then like uh, Lynette from the O Agency was reaching out to me pretty frequently, and <clears throat> I was like, it just kind of like was w- worked in a way. I don't know. It was right. just like okay. It seems like people want me to be in things. I don't know. I was really, I like hated cameras too. Right. Like I, I was scared of them, but yeah. They say if you forget about them, they disappear. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it's just another, you know, yeah. second guest. Yeah. They're just hanging out so, with stuff, guys. So I'm like paint us a timeline. So then by like, let's say 18, you were already accepting that you want to be an actor. So like, like 15, I think we got the show, uh, 16 or 7 16 maybe like right after 15 i was in the first short film and play um then 16 i was in another short film it was a longer thing called neverland where i was like a vampire that was peter pan it was really fun um it was like 60 minutes so it could have been a feature if they put yeah. a little more time into it um or if they had more story i don't know um but so that was really fun and then i kind of like just that's when the agents were reaching out and that's when I kind of just was like, I don't know, I don't know, because I wanted to play music. So I just right. played music like four hours a day as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And then it was when I graduated um, high school and went to college. And I realized, like, I'm really bad at math. <laughs> and like I, I like I couldn't pass algebra. Yeah. Just algebra, whatever the first one is. Right. And I was like, man... <laughs> And then I tried some theater stuff again, so I dabbled. And then I took an acting class with Laura Cunningham. And that's what it was. Mm-hmm. She, like, blew my mind. But she yeah. only teaches over 18. So I think it was after 18 that I had to take her class. So this was, like, so. freshman year of college when all this happened? Yeah. And then yeah. right there you were like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Did you go to UNM? I did go to UNM, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a whole other phase of weird prank videos that we did there. With, like, Andrew and, and yeah. All those YouTube guys. Once I moved out there, that's how I met them. Cause right, right. So, but, but so you were in here in New Mexico. You fell in love with acting, and you were like, "I want to do this." Mm-hmm. And then, how did you get to your next phase, which is like LA? I booked uh, Longmire. Well, that's the funny thing is I didn't want to act, but I, I was working on a. I was editing a video for my friends uh, for a hospital out here. Then. I went to go to that guy's house to finish editing and he's like, dude, don't you have an audition? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I just, you know, it's not for me, man. And he's like, do you want to be editing? He's like, I hate editing. He's like, I've, I've been sitting in this room for like 14 hours and my eyes are going crossed. And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I got to pay the bills. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, go to your audition. And so I left. Um, 
and I have so much to thank that guy for in my life. Um, but I went to the audition and I booked it, and it was like my wow. third audition or something. I got how, super how was, lucky. Was that your first first time like booking like? Yeah, like a SAG role. Uh-huh. Yeah. How um, how was that like audition? Because at this point you had been auditioning. Right? Well, that's what was funny is I didn't care. Like I went in the audition with Kira, and I just was like, I just did it, and then I was like, all right, later, dudes, and I walked out. Yeah. And apparently it worked because they booked me on it. Um, and that's a reoccurring thing, honestly. Like the less I like stress and the more fun I have in the room is like it just works out better, <laughs> you know. We're, we're, so then, from what it sounds like the story you said, were you like close to just being like giving up on acting at this point, or you just like were? I was like three auditions in, and I was like, man, this is just so tasking on my ego, like yeah. you know, <laughs> like. And it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that that hit, and then I was like, okay, cool. That was like a thousand dollar check. Mm-hmm. Sick. But explain that. So you got booked for this, and it they, it shot in LA. No, it shot here. Okay. So okay. I booked two things, and then I was like, okay, I gotta book like two more before I move out to LA. Mm-hmm. So I booked two more things. I remember talking to my agent. She said, hey, you should just wait, just wait, book some more stuff here, and then go out to LA. And um, I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> So I moved out to L- actually no I booked those things when I was out in LA, so I booked the two and then she's like just wait book some more and I was like no I'm good I moved out to LA I drove a, a Royal Enfield like an, a motorcycle in the middle of like October during the cold it was so cold my like hands were frozen. all the way to LA all the way to LA twelve hours in a motorcycle dude yeah Damn. it sucks man <laughs> I remember pulling in and my hands were just like frozen to the freaking thing I had gloves on but it just was still yeah so so nuts but Damn. yeah that's uh, yeah. <laughs> like the most la thing to do drive get into la in a motorcycle yeah to and, pursue uh, acting so then how was that like you moved a whole city to pursue what you want to do acting and dude how was that first initial month i say the month was just like a, a shock honestly mm-hmm. i pulled in my buddy jesse a little bird who's back here now was there and he was like, let's go see La La Land at this old theater because he was there for a year before me, so he yeah. kind of knew what he was doing a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember sitting in this old theater watching La La Land about LA the yeah. second, the day after I moved there, and I was just like, this is a trip, dude. Um, so I got a job being a coffee shop barista in, in Pasadena because yeah. uh, I was like, that'll do something. But <laughs> because uh, of Emma Stone, you yeah, you get the like, same job like Emma Stone in La La Yo, you know what's funny though is she worked on a lot uh-huh. uh, in the movie. I worked at the Fox lot as a coffee barista. The same exactly. same thing. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Damn, it's weird. So you're Emma Stone from La La Land. I am Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> um. Damn. Yeah. So I don't know. The first month was just shell shock and you're trying to figure out like okay do i need to get an agent what do i gotta do okay i gotta call a bunch of people but i don't know who the hell i am at this time so i'm gonna just like hang out but i also had the youtube thing so i had some like youtube friends out there that we so we started cranking out some videos with that and i was helping them with some stuff um but mostly i was just working and like riding my motorcycle and trying to figure out where the hell i was trying to figure out how to like go shopping because there's no parking ever (laughs) trying to figure out how to drive yeah yeah so damn so at this point were you you were just kind of like i would say just in this weird limbo of like figuring it out like were you actively like looking for auditions trying to get your headshot to anyone's lap or honestly i wasn't as diligent as i could have been i was you know it's the same it was the same mentality that i had when i first started acting when i booked it i was like eh 
you know i was like so indifferent right and um but if i went there with the fire like i have now and with the fire that i think a lot of people can go there with like eric you know like he's kicking ass and he's not even fully there but um yeah i think it would have been different but i just was too insecure i think you know to put myself out there i took some acting classes that was one of the things I wanted to get into Ivana Chubbuck's class, which she teaches like the Chubbuck technique. She's super cool. But at the time she was really big because um, Charlize Theron studied with her and then Charlize won the Oscar, I believe at the time, and then like thanked her in her speech. Mm. So it was like her, she blew up and everyone's like, oh my gosh. So I studied with her daughter for a while and that was really fun and eye opening. But I remember I got in an argument with her daughter about, <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm done. Like it just moved me up to the next class. This like stuff is this stuff is like stupid and i was <laughs> well because like she yeah she's great but like i was just a, i was an asshole at the time mm-hmm. um at the time I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no i am now still but, um yeah so that's the first thing i think Wait, so how old was getting you, into classes how old were you like at the, at this point now i think i was like 21 22 21 okay 21 yeah. 22 in la chasing yeah, the dream so. taking classes and I'm cheating a little bit because I kind of know your story. How did you transition to like the next step, which was... Well, I don't know the story. No one else knows the story. So. Well, that's why I'm asking. He's, he's that's leading me in. It, I, I know that you, you, you kind of transitioned more to wanting to develop stuff. Mm-hmm. How did that kind of like happen for you where, you know, you got tired of being in front of the camera and wanted to be behind the camera? <clears throat> um, well, I moved around a bunch. I quit the YouTube stuff. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I was smoking a ton of weed. And then I got hired at Fox at that time. So I worked at a different coffee shop before that. Got hired at Fox. um, And I I just didn't know the industry. Like I had agents and I had managers and stuff. And they were asking me to do stuff. But I didn't get why. And I was like, "Ah, I don't want to do that. Just like call up and get me something. If you can't get me something, then you're not worth it. You know, like this weird attitude. And uh, the LA got to you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah quick in a month i was like in a month, huh? yeah where's my latte you know no. but um <laughs> at, at, this, at this point at this point were you uh levi lobo or were you still Levi? no i was going by either levi martinez or my middle name's dylan so i went by levi dylan for a while mm-hmm. um and then i found out bob dylan has a grandson named levi dylan and he acts as well and he's my oh. age so i kind of was like i can't do that because yeah. I have, dude, Bob Dylan's like my hero. That dude rocks. Mm-hmm. I have not met him, but I want to. He's getting old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I went by like Levi Martinez, Levi Dylan. Yeah. I was just trying things out. I don't know. And you're just figuring it out. Yeah, just yeah. like trial and error. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, like the weed probably is like clouded most of that time. <laughs> I just partied a lot. Like, so like I. Stayed in a place in, like, right in the heart of Hollywood, like, right off of Hollywood Boulevard right. and, like, near Vine. And then after that, after six months there, my buddy Andrew texted me. He's like, yo, I'm going to get a place in Van Nuys if you want to go there. And then my buddy Chad Churley's was, like, in on that, too. Um, and then our other buddy uh, went out there, too. But so we moved out there, and then I was just, like, partying and stuff and... That was like a year or two of it. <laughs> that was insane. That's still crazy to me to believe that you lived with Andrew Halls, which is like this big like YouTube guy, like Loft, and then Love. Shirley's, which is like this crazy yeah. like comedic YouTube guy now. Dude, he's blown up. That's blown up. Yeah. 
And on top of that, like, all of them, like, ride and, like, you even met, like, Oliver Tree, which is yeah. this huge artist now. Dude, I remember when Oliver didn't have barely any followers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe 20,000 on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, just there's still a lot. <laughs> I mean, I remember when Chad had two thousand. I had more followers on Instagram at the time than Chad. Uh, I remember when Oliver had like twenty. He was like just above me, I think, at the time. Uh, Andrew is still relevant. And I love that guy. Um, well, how was that? Like, so like you're out here trying to pursue acting, and you're living with like these YouTubers are like comedic you know prank videos kind of like this other kind of realm of creativity and a whole other different platform and subsection of entertainment which was youtube like were you featured in there yeah i i filmed a decent amount of theirs at the time but i was in scroll all the way down yeah you could find videos of me in them yeah there was a there was a few on i think there's one on danny duncan's channel too with us uh, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, I remember when Danny only had like 15,000 followers too when he first climbed the Hollywood sign. Um, Damn. Yeah, he, th- he thought I stole his his uh, hard drive. Really? <laughs> yeah, we're driving back because me and my buddy Christian drove out there before I moved out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and dude, I still haven't forgiven him for this, honestly. But like, like we all hung out and we were all just trying to figure out what the heck we were doing at the time too. Andrew was so cool. He would let like all of these like young YouTube guys like crash at his house and yeah. Luke Donahue. I don't know if you guys know him, but that dude's like an angel. But I remember on our drive back, Danny texts me. And he's like, "You stole my SD card, you son of a bitch!" And I was like, "Dude, I don't have your SD card. I don't give a shit what's on. I don't give a shit what you did." Uh, and then he's like, "Dude, I climbed the Hollywood sign. You stole that. I need that back. Turn around." And I was like, "Dude, I'll buy you two of them. I didn't. I didn't steal your freaking thing." Yeah. And then we pulled over on the road. And then I was like, let's just look through our stuff. And we looked through the stuff and it wasn't there. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so, but he still gave me a hard time about it. And then he texted me, he's like, yo, I found it, sorry. And I'm like, <laughs> what? But it's just like the idea that I would steal like footage from somebody is just like the funniest. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be footage. We've been yeah. down the road, unfortunately. I get it though. Like if he just, and that was the video that he, that got like his first million views on YouTube. So like, I get it. Like, yeah, you're like, oh shit, these are the only other people here, and my stuff's gone, and they just left. Like, but he got the video up, and he did yeah. just fine. So, yeah. Um, so you're living in this crazy the the first of the first TikTok house before. Was, yeah. Before TikTok <laughs> no, I think it was Jake Jake Paul that did it first. Mm. Jake Paul had his little hype his house, right? yeah he had his hype house, and that's when Andrew was like, that's when Andrew got the idea, I think, and then he's like, yo, let's do this. So yeah. But we just yeah. like partied a lot and made YouTube videos. I was trying to get big on Instagram at the time, so I was doing like a bunch of photos and modeling. And I was dating this girl Lacey Walker, who's super awesome, bless her soul. But um, damn, you're yeah. out here really living life. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we gotta go. <laughs> Dude, That's why we gotta walk cool. around and just go up to people and say, "No, no, I, I, I just, <laughs> did I talk to you? No, I just think it's crazy. Like knowing Levi now, like." hearing your stories and talking about like your different like phases in life like you really have done a lot and gone through a lot and yeah it's weird discover yourself and well i mean you're you're, do any of us really know who we are like we're all really just out here in this journey just trying to find it you know yeah following our hearts that's all that matters yeah it's true but so so then what made you want to like leave this house then like i imagine Um, it would be like very well, exciting, I, like, I, being with. 
Lacey and I wanted, she wanted to get more serious. And so we moved into a house together by ourselves. Uh, and then we broke up. <laughs> and so I went back to New Mexico for like a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I can't do this. So then I moved back out to LA after that week. Uh, <laughs> what made you come back and you're like, I can't do this? <laughs> because I was like sitting there and I would go to like out to like a coffee shop or wherever. And I would just feel like this, like, like unnatural <laughs> like the, th- the how i look right now yeah. is what i felt like <laughs> just like at the coffee yeah. shop just... like just like what am i doing <laughs> and um <laughs> so then you got back on your motorcycle and rode and no i sold out. my motorcycle so uh, i just got a plane ticket yeah. i had zero dollars uh-huh. i bought a i bought a like a three hundred dollar plane ticket had zero dollars i was like yo andrew can i crash on your couch and he's like yeah sure so i just slept on his couch for like a week and I had a week to find a job and I had like two weeks to get another apartment. Yeah. And so I found a job. What did I start doing? Oh, I got my job back at Fox. I just mm-hmm. was like, yo, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, bring me back. Did you and, quit? Or? Yeah, I quit. My, my grandpa passed away. And so I, I used that as an excuse, which is true. It sucked. But like, yeah. I like I quit and then I moved back and then I was like, hey, can I come back? And so they gave me my job back. They were so awesome. Yeah. Aurora Moravitz. Is like an angel. She put up with so much of my bullshit. <laughs> it's like literally like so yeah. much. Um, but yeah, so I went back. I got the job back at Fox. I didn't have a so, car. So how I didn't much, have anything. How much years was this from like when you initially moved to like this point? Probably like three. Three years. Okay, so yeah, those three, two, first three years were you half, just three. at the TikTok house partying, this and that. Yeah. Smoking weed. Smoking <laughs> hell of weed, dude. Riding the motorcycle. Dude, Oliver would always bring over just bags of weed. <laughs> How is uh Oliver? Because he he's like probably like the biggest now. Like yeah, he's he, huge. this last year he had tons of songs that were topping the charts. Dude, and his videos are so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first saw him with like his little haircut, I was like, yeah, this guy. <laughs> he was a meme. That was before memes began. Yeah. Like him and Chad, like we're on that kind of like <clears throat> wave of meme culture. You know, I remember going to meme parties. With Chad, he was started throwing these meme parties where he would just find these people that got memed or mm-hmm. like created a life a life meme like yeah. like Oliver like he's not like that you know, yeah. um, and then they would all just hang out and party, <laughs> and so we would go to these things and just like there would be some dude that like had a a dog that could say I love you or there would be you know just like these <laughs> random people that blew up in these yeah. weird like like peak to drop mm-hmm. moments in time. Um, like that one dude that has like the smile with the braces, um, but I remember like so just like that's so bizarre. So you all would, you all would just get together and just yeah just, just party it up. Party, yeah. Talk about Vine. the internet. Yeah, and the well, what? It was Vine years. Yeah, yeah, the Vine years. Yeah, and, and my buddies lived on Vine. In that stupid, there was a there was a there was a Vine uh, apartment that all the Vine people lived in, and my buddy uh, Aria lived in that apartment with all those guys. I remember seeing like Logan Paul. Uh, that was like before he is who he is now, which is ridiculous. But he was yeah. just like like chilling by the pool, and it was just like I don't know, it was just weird. That's such like a. This was like pre. Internet meme blow up that yeah. we're living in now. Yeah, it's, it's just, like that's everything now. Well, it was yeah. kind of, you know, like 2011, 2012, You were you were still seeing rage comics and like those single panel like top text, bottom text. Like oh yeah, yeah, mm. and it just seemed that it was like some kind of shift into more characters, into more 
something just different you know internet culture just never was the same after yeah vine it was even after like the harlem shake you know to use this as like a metaphor <laughs> the harlem shake rocked the foundations people fell through the floor into like this new dimension of yeah i think it was a new generation <laughs> it was like the older generation that grew up on instagram was not the dominant media consumer at the time and then it was the vine you know what i mean like i have a theory with social media which is like everyone if there's an emerging in three years there'll be another one you know what i mean a social media account that emerges with the youth and then spreads from the younger generation to the older and then gets either bought out or tries to stay independent yeah. um but that's what's happened it happened with before my time which was instagram it was Flickr. you know there was like what tumblr. is it tumblr yeah they're like there's so there's this this like recycling and then like eating up of like the databases of the other companies but that's a whole nother train <laughs> of thought yeah okay so then you then moved back and you stayed in your buddy's andrews hall's yeah. couch and you got this job at the coffee shop and then yeah. that was kind of the, the point for you that you decided because at those three years like were you still actively act actively acting i was actively, actively trying to but okay. i didn't book anything out there mm-hmm. Because I was, I had managers and agents, but I wasn't willing to work with them. Yeah. I wasn't willing to like listen to what they had to say, because um, they're smarter than me. And if they're if they're trying to work, if they're trying to promote your career, like why would you complain? Why would you, you know, go against what they're? If they want you to get new headshots, get freaking new headshots. They're the ones who are emailing people for you. Yeah, like you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> listen to your age <laughs> yeah for real they're they're angels i have an ex-manager who's still a good friend of mine in la Irvin, and he's a freaking angel that dude is like and he put up with my bullshit too and he's still my friend which i'm like confused about i'm like yeah. wait what mm-hmm. so damn yeah. so then you're in fox you're off of your the couch you have your own place or yeah. do you have your own place at this point yeah so i moved into this little place off of uh fourth and uh La Cienega or something. It was literally like in the back of this crack house, and uh, <laughs> like there was a there was a cardboard wall like made out of like literally like cardboard boxes folded up with sheets on each side separating my room from this other dude's room. And, what? And I had this I had this back door that could it was like, it was like a den. <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually, it wasn't bad. It was five hundred a month, and that's why oh. I took it. And I was like, is this for real? And it was just like uh, this like Asian guy that lived in the the very back house that managed the whole space mm-hmm. um but that was honestly a pretty cool spot i lived there until where did i live oh where did i live after that i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> somewhere else i think in hollywood yeah, yeah, again yeah, yeah. oh i lived in an apartment up in hollywood again okay, That's okay. Where. so then now you're in fox yeah you're serving coffee and this is when are you like what made that choice if you wanted to like switch to oh like development stuff? yeah yeah well, I just, what was that journey I, like how, how so how? that was a matter of me trying to figure out what had value within the creative industry mm-hmm. and i think that at the time apparently me as an actor wasn't that you know um and it's getting better which is cool because people want me to act more but um at the time it wasn't that where i didn't know how to leverage it so i thought okay, how can I get more stories for people that look like me or people that aren't framed within the archetypes that are, that are marketed to the, to the public. Right. And, um, and I, and I, I'm a like do it yourself kind of guy. So I was like, shit, man, I'll just freaking learn what it looks like to, to, to package something and to develop it, to bring it to the market. And, um, that was honestly just like sitting there and asking questions. 
like coffee shop jobs are the sickest because it's like the easiest thing to do and you can literally just you it's like you get to interview somebody every five minutes and when it's like executives or like whoever the heck whether it's like um what's his face from star wars the the dude that was in the lead in the last one like he'll walk in or uh freaking keegan michael key will walk in whoever like just random people will walk in and and you'll get to interview them like you know what i mean you get like this like five minute conversation of figuring out what makes them tick or like what do they feel or like what's important to them you know yeah and you get some really really good concise information from people um so that was just like a year of that. And then I got into my suit phase, mm-hmm. which is when I started wearing a suit every day and well, showing up. How, how did you like how you transition that? that? How, did you, <laughs> how do you like, like they walk up to the counter and, and yeah, so I would show up to like, work. What are you having today? Oh, like how do I interview people or yeah, how would how I, does it happen though? Like you're working. <clears throat> well, at the time I was like just pushing buttons on this thing, cashing people out and, uh, you get regulars, you know? And so you like, remember their name, but I also had a notebook that I would keep. I know probably like 30 notebooks because I would just go through them mm-hmm. but I would keep people's names I would keep people's what they liked like Michael Scott in the office you know when he's yeah. like uh, but kind of like that but um, cool ideas cool anything that I thought was like a value I would just like keep in my notebooks and uh, then I would ask people what did I say oh a good one that I asked was like have you been reading any books lately because then like it gives you some like uh, data points on um, what somebody's interested in. Yeah. So like, oh, you've been reading good books? Oh, yeah, I'm reading this one on like neural networks. Oh, that's so cool. Why are you doing that? Well, I'm working on this project and it turns out to be like the freaking simulation film that they did with Fox. Uh, what was it called? I don't remember. But, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, or like random saying, stuff. Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, oh, why do you have a violin? Because I'm recording for toy story three right now oh sweet you want to come check it out yeah sure sweet i'm off at three okay cool and then you go and like meet the recording guy over there or whatever you know yeah. so um <laughs> that's, t- <laughs> that's crazy you <laughs> yeah honestly but you get like you get there enough and you realize that that's just a community in itself of people that are all trying to do the same thing you're trying to do mm-hmm. and fox doesn't get too upset or at fox at the time now it's disney doesn't get too upset as long as you're trying to bring value to the company yeah. so um Although I did get them a little upset, at times <laughs> they would get don't they would get mad at you like don't talk to them. No, not them. Just the the HR didn't like me mm. because because um, I would walk into executives' buildings and just talk to people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they would just be like, hey, who's this person? Because they're trying to figure out like why I'm in the room or yeah. if I like if I bring value into the room or not, you know, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, I just had these like for some reason this like weird confidence at the time to do that but hr would just try to kind of be like okay what's this guy doing and try to gauge like is he trying to what's he doing you know and that's when i got into the suit phase because i realized if i wore a suit the conversations would go better mm. and uh yeah and then i started meeting with hr and then they were getting like it, honestly they weren't getting upset though there was one person that was getting upset and then they left or got fired i don't know what happened and then uh jackie brown who was the head of hr she's at disney now or she was like three years ago she was fine she was awesome she was like dude i believe in you i think you got to keep doing what you're doing and you just got to keep rolling and she said there's a seat at the table for you and that's like 
And I said, I'm not going to stop until there's executive representation. Um, of, 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 and for me, it was like Hispanic or like Spanish, you know, Latin heritage. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, I believe in you. I support you. And uh, I stand with you. And that was like, those words were just like, man, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Wow. Um, so like, yeah. how were like, on every, every day you were going to someone's offices. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Yeah. And I, just trying to talk to him. Like, how were these conversations? What were you like trying to get at? Like, Well, I had a script at the time. You just like open the door. Hey, you reading a good book? No, but I knew a lot of their names at the time too. Yeah. So like, it, I would just roll in and like hang out with them. But, and they like knew you at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I was like hey, a year Levi. in. Yeah. They were like, like oh. hey, I brought you a coffee. <laughs> yeah. Double, uh, double espresso. Like yeah. Like, um, but. But you, so you said you had the script at the time. So you were trying to get your script sold. It wasn't even my script at the time. It wasn't my script, but I was trying to get somebody else's script sold, seeing if I could package something well. Yeah. And so, uh, and seeing like the legality behind packaging. Like, how does that really work? Mm -hmm. Um. So someone just said, like, hey, you work in Fox. Here's my script. Yeah, Can you sell it? it was an outsider guy that didn't oh. work at Fox that wanted me to help him get his film running up there. Mm -hmm. And how, how did he, like, make that connection with you? Did he just see you in the coffee shop one day? There was a, a friend of mine um, who was a teamster. So he, he just drove, he just literally drove a shuttle and picked people up all day long. Mm -hmm. Eight hours a day, ten hours a day. Made good money doing it. But he got me connected with this other guy that... Uh, gave me the script. He had a proof of concept, and it looked good. Like it looked like something Fox would want to make. So I was like, okay, cool. This seems like something that I could risk uh, trying to build around. And yeah. when I showed other people, they had they saw value in it too. So yeah. that's when like I started talking about this thing, wearing the suit. Then Robin, uh, she's great. She works at Searchlight. She said to me, "Let's set up a meeting." Uh, so I set up a meeting with her, and she said, "Call up Emily Blunt's agent." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Just call him up." See, and then I was like, okay, what do I say? And she's like, check for their availability. Yeah. So then I started learning this lingo, how to like, how to check for, basically you, you have an asset, you have a script, and then you have to try to attach as much to it so that it has value in the market as, as a saleability item for distribution yeah. so that they can get pre-sales before the film's ever made, mm -hmm. which you can get money. If you have those contracts in for those people, you can get money on that film before it's made, which is like, gets you going. Yeah. So, um... So that's what you're trying to do, just trying to build assets and make this idea mm -hmm. more tangible by having like famous people yeah. wanting to do it. By having professionals that are good at what they do stand behind it too, you yeah. know? So um, so we had like a, a Ron Chazette, uh, he was an EP on that one. I don't know what's, I stepped away from the project, mm -hmm. um, but I still hope the best for it. But um, <clears throat> Ron Chazette made the Alien franchise. So like oh. he had like, he was, I mean, he made millions and millions and millions of dollars for Fox. Yeah. <laughs> like, they love that guy. Yeah. Um, but we had, I got him attached to it. I got... Damn, uh, that's because you went into his office or you just got connected mm, to him? I, I, no, that's just by, by meeting with people and working on stuff and talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then one guy's like, oh yeah, I think this guy might be able to help you. And then he connected me with him. I got a phone call with him and talked to him. And then he said, uh, yeah, you should just attach me as an EP on it and then see where that gets you next. And then call me back. Damn, so like, just like that, he's like, I give you my permission to yeah. attach my name. Yeah. And this, guy, this guy's name, Alien Franchise, carries tons of weight. Yeah, you go in, and that's when I was like, 
okay, cool, I can approach, you know, Emily Blunt's people better, or I can approach who, who I think she was unavailable at the time or something, but mm-hmm. uh, I can approach whoever. At the, but it's just that, like, kind of, like, building. But I learned that, like, so from that process, I learned how I can build my own value, but I, how I can also understand what value looks like. And it sucks, but it's like numbers, you know? It's like they, like, what is it Spielberg said? You got to get, get people's butts in the seats, you know? And it's yeah. It's not the fun part, and I hate it, but um, but it helps me like kind of um, have a better understanding of my position rather than being an arrogant prick and thinking that I have a ton of value just because you know just because I'm yeah like like yeah. bow with my feet you know it's like uh-huh. dude no like uh-huh. you say Levi Lobo's attached to a film right now it's not gonna generate sales overseas yeah. you know right. like the film the, the the fast color the last film I was in generated like 60,000 at the box office and I wasn't a big part in it. Mm-hmm. So like they're going to see that and go, well, yeah. uh, that was a $2 million film and it generated 60,000. So that's a loss. Why would we, you know, right. um, but I, that's why I have to leverage myself in with assets mm-hmm. with, with building up value. Um, yeah. So at this point, then we then come to your initial story, which is at the coffee shop with <laughs> this guy from, Oh yeah. EP from Encanto. Like we're at yeah. the same time now or is it a little bit yeah we down? caught up to that i think okay okay no well yeah i quit fox by that time and i mm-hmm. that's when i was on my own journey for my own film because i realized like this guy wasn't going to the guy wasn't super workable with other people the guy that owned the ip at the time yeah uh he wasn't super um collaborative, collaborative. yeah that's a good word um, which is fine because it's his baby and he's put a lot of money and time into it. So like, yeah. that's fine. Um, but I think that me creatively just wanted to work in a different way, right. more collaborative, more mm-hmm. open, more honest, not honest. That's a bad word to say, but more, um, just like you want to be more hands-on and like also contribute to this baby that you're risking, yeah. you know, your job, your time yeah. going to people's office. Yeah. 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 That totally makes sense. And I was like, I'd rather risk something that, that I, you care about, that I have, about. Yeah, yeah. That's going to represent my life too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did you have an idea in your back of your pocket that you wanted to? Yeah. Or? So when I was younger, I, well, when my dad passed away, I moved into my, <laughs> this goes back to the timeline of like <laughs> the YouTube time before I moved to LA I was like 17, 18. Uh-huh. I moved out of this house that I was living in by UNM. I was, I was like 19 maybe. And I lived in my car, my VW bus that I had. And then I got broken into mm-hmm. by this crazy guy in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you were in it? Yeah, I was living in it. So and you he, just broke in and just... He, he opened the door um, and then he had a knife and he was like, Hey, um, I need you to take me to the mountains. Or I don't remember, something like that. So, um, Jesus yeah so i based it on that because that was weird (laughs) and but it emerged more because i'm like why am i living in my van why am i doing this why am i chain smoking cigarettes why do i not want to live why why are these things happening in my life um and then that made me realize like there's more people like me that feel that way and that's an important story so um yeah so i just started building off of that Mm -hmm. so I think anything that you write is going to be so deeply personal and it should be. It has to be. Because <laughs> it it's, has to be. Yeah. yeah. What value does it have if it yeah. doesn't have an, a person connected to it? Right. So, and it won't get made if it doesn't have a person connected to it. Unless yeah. it has a bunch of explosions. So, 
So, so then at this point, then you you leave this idea, and then you pull up this this idea that you mentioned. At this point, did you really write this story, or yeah, okay. I had a short film that I wrote before I ever moved to California. Uh, yeah, so it was based off of that, mm-hmm. and then it just kept developing and developing. So then at this point, you were just in this independent journey of, I'm going to get my own film made. Was it a feature? Yeah. So you really did. Wow. It was like the beginning. Yeah. And then I lived in my car too. And I, after I left Fox, because that all, all that, I think I told you a little bit about it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we don't have, we'll get into whatever you want, but. Um. <laughs> well, you just summarized. So you left it just, it just wasn't a good match anymore for where you were at. Yeah. I think uh, that's well put. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Uh, so then, at this point, like you were then jobless, and you were just at this point, it was like now I'm just gonna hustle by myself as like this. I was producer. jobless. I was homeless, and I was still wearing my suit when I would go out, and I was living in my car. Yeah. Wow. And um, so, like, where would you park your car in LA? Just random parks. Uh, I I was in the th- a theater in Redondo. And, um, so I lived in Redondo for probably like three months while I was studying for that theater. And then my, that was when my grandfather, no, that was, uh, when I got his, his inheritance money. Um, and, uh, so I took that money and I made a short film and I made that short film for the Elvis proof concept that I wanted, that I pitched to, uh, Baz Luhrmann and all of those guys for, the Elvis thing that they're putting out with Austin Butler. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. yeah, it's like literally coming out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, there was an open call and I saw it while I was sleeping at this park, eating peanut butter out of a can with celery. And uh, I was like, I could do that. And so I had a guitar and I first recorded like an audition for myself. And I was like, okay, why would... I had the new knowledge of like, why would somebody cast me? It would have to be something that blows them away. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and I was like, regular auditions, not going to do shit. They didn't give any parameters for the audition. They just said well, open casting call and they had a location to submit something. Yeah. So then I made that short film over a week. Like I had like $2,000 and I made, I wrote the script in like a day. I went into, I drove back to LA. I went to, I, I remember Ivana Chubbuck said one thing and she said, the first thing you do as an actor is you find an outfit. Um, so I went and found an outfit I found my friend Naomi she's awesome she's still in LA she's crazy but she was like my production designer producer and helped me piece this whole like short film together where we went to where like the Beach Boys recorded and somehow convinced them to let us use their space and made the short film in a week submitted it uh, then that's how I got my agent and manager then they called the producers and then I we were in talks back with the producers but then I found out that they already cast Austin Butler like six months before that Mm-hmm. So they sent out casting calls, an open casting call, six months before. They already cast Austin Butler, which yeah. made me like, oh, so it was like, that's been cooking for a long time. Like, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Are we like you yeah. Butler? yeah, or no, there, there was no chance. My point is there was zero chance for me to ever get that. Yeah. Everything, all the propaganda they put out for that, which was like, is it Harry Styles or Austin Butler or... Uh, the other dude. Levi Lowe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it like they put out a bunch like like prop propaganda like Deadline did, but that was all just to compare and uh, bring a connection between Austin Butler's name and Harry Styles in the same conversation, mm-hmm. so that from a marketing perspective he had the same type of clout. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Once Upon a Time didn't come out before that. 
yeah. and that he was that's like one of his things that helped him right. more but um yeah so my point and the way i learned that is because i went to the same voice coach as he did and that's he told me he's like yeah they cast him a while back he's like but you should still do this i was like right. okay cool so yeah damn <laughs> damn <laughs> okay yeah. so wait before we go any further do you have an elvis impression <laughs> oh god i i don't know where it went uh thank you thank you very much <laughs> my name is elvis elvis presley and i i sing songs for my mama something like that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's online you can, i i have the ox accent in it but damn we should that uh, we should link it to the <laughs> like right oh, here yeah, or i would like to see your proof of concept sure yeah yeah, yeah yeah, it's up. Uh, be somebody it's on YouTube. It's <laughs> our ongoing joke that we have a, 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 a premium oh. service of the podcast. Be somebody plus. Um, you do have a streaming service of the podcast. It would have like on Spotify. And like it's just YouTube. not subscription based. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you're not the subscription. We're, right. yeah. We're not paying us directly. We're not paying us. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. <laughs> This is just, I just feel like you have so much stories and we just like... We go on. Yeah, dude, I have too many. Well, it's just like I just get bored. Like, I think I have some issues in my head that just cause me to kind of shuffle a lot and do a million things at once and mm-hmm. have like 30 like um, pokers in the flame, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I still want to go back and just paint the pictures of you. You were living in your car next to a park and every day you would put on this suit. Yeah. <laughs> Every every day on the suit, and then what would you do every day? Just go to a coffee shop and just yeah. wait by your computer. And Century like, All City, right, let's work. Yeah, I'll go to Century City. That's right next to Fox. It's right next to Fidelity, which helps finance a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right next to uh, agencies out there. WME's right over there. Um, Beverly, like that area, Century City has a lot of people, and they all go on break. They all go to a coffee shop, and yeah. there you were in a suit. There I, I was in a suit. <laughs> pretending to be with them yeah. <laughs> you know so and then we just go to them and talk to them like hey yeah just you, something strikes up or like you know you're you have a meeting with somebody you know and so like i, I would i would try to always have a meeting with somebody uh, something that robin um i think her last name is right but robin she said to me she said never leave um and this is when she was talking trying to get me to call emily blunt's agent she said never leave a meeting or a call without somebody else to call another meeting or uh, a deal. And I was like, that's, that's great. Yeah, and so that's like my life. philosophy now. I was like, yeah. yeah. Cause you, you slow down. You, if, if you don't, if you don't have, if something doesn't build off of something, then it's like, that's not going to help your film. That's not gonna help your thing or whatever you're trying to build. So, yeah. um, yeah. Wear a suit. It's weird. Yeah, no, no that's is, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. we should have done this episode all of us wearing suits. <laughs> that would have been. Uh, well, yeah, bro. I didn't. So, and you still have the suit, the full suit. Yeah. What color? Do you still wear it or no? <clears throat> have you retired it? Do you have multiple? I only had one, and I would have to wash it. I would keep the the suit jacket really clean, and then the button up, uh, and the tie. I would have to like make sure I kept clean, but mm-hmm. it was harder to wash. But yeah. But also there was a period before that where I, I, I stayed with that Naomi girl after the short film. After Redondo, I stayed in that house with that. Uh, it was like a crazy weird like 
house where people from like all over the world were visiting because it was an Airbnb and I was staying in a tent in the back not paying rent <laughs> yeah and you were still wearing the suit yeah yeah <laughs> it was staying in the tent you were just every day just pulling the suit yeah I mean dude it's it it works I don't know it, it and it gave me confidence and it gave me like yeah and, and and I think it was also like that necktie the neck clip for my grandfather that yeah. was like this isn't just for me Especially because I took his inheritance money, which is only like two thousand dollars, which is still a lot of money. But yeah, um, and I invest. That was the first thing I invested ever into, like my company and my my what I'm doing. So um, he's with me every step. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Thanks. Amazing. While wearing a suit. <laughs> Suits. So man. then. <clears throat> obviously you're in new mexico now like where where's that like oh god that bridge how far away are we how old are you here that where we're talking about that was like three years ago okay four years ago three years ago so yeah then i um i got a i built my film out i had i had a bunch of people attached it was good um and then i had producers that were executive producers that were agreed to give me money and then the pandemic hit and they said keep waiting keep waiting keep waiting just hold we'll get you the money we'll get you the money you just got to wait for the wait for the for all this to pass over and i was so impatient i was like no we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go so i asked them for a date they gave me a date I, i built everything up i got as much as i could together and then they disappeared and uh yeah so then after that, I lost my mind, put myself in the hospital. Uh, flew back here. <laughs> and then I, and then I've just like been chilling and rock climbing. And now I have new EPs and all that stuff, but we're, yeah, I'm a lot more relaxed with everything now. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. That's a lot to unpack right there. I know. I tried to gloss over yeah. a lot there. <laughs> <You're> the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, how would how you get on. like how how would you get like all of these people attached to this film and, and just calling? Producers? Just calling again? Yeah, like calling Walking Phoenix agent, talking with them, saying seeing what they wanted, mm-hmm. um, and then that's crazy. You're talking to Walking Phoenix, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Boomer Malkin, he was cool. Oscar award winning Walking yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, it was before the Joker. So like we had a chance, yeah. <laughs> now he's like, I mean, but he's still, from what I've heard, he still like works on stuff. But he just had a kid and stuff, so yeah, I'm sure he's that's preoccupied. Wow. Well, I mean, that's why I asked you earlier because I mean, I can be extremely awkward sometimes, and I talked to Rick about this a lot too. How the fuck do you network? How do you just talk to people? How do you just go up and be like, hey, I don't know you. You seem like you're busy. You're doing a lot right now. Why would you even waste your time? I think it was like that, like... Or like, why... It just seems like, would it be a waste of time to talk to me? And if I believe that, then I'm just going about it. Like, would way. it be a waste of time for somebody to talk to, talk to you? To, yes, exactly. If you think that. There you go. <laughs> but well, if I you don't, don't... I don't know what to say. I don't want to just be like, hey, my name is Amadeo. I'm a fucking actor. <laughs> I, don't want to, I want to be in your next project. Obviously, you don't do that. I don't, I well, don't I learned that. something. It's more fun when somebody asks you about what you're doing than totally. if if you... Tell them. tell them and that's like with barry uh josephson like that's how it was with him we talked about him and his vietnam years 
way longer than we ever talked about me way longer but he answers my call if i call him you know like i haven't called him in like a year so hopefully he's okay but um do do you actively like keep up with people so you won't lose that connection yeah i try to i mean i have like an email list with a lot of my friends from fox and Mm -hmm. um i've just been really slow on (laughs) sending them stuff but i got yeah yeah i mean that's the whole like I I collected so many people's information when I was there yeah. and they know who I dude it's like you go into a coffee shop every day just from a social programming perspective like you see somebody's face every day you're going to you're going to recognize their face you're going to recognize right. who they are you know yeah um, no even the flying even the flying start go here the people there like I know who they are like I go there like almost every day yeah yeah so you learn people's faces mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to be in front of like 200 people a day that are working in the industry that are successful within studio walls where they depend on, they, they get excited when they see me cause I give them coffee, you know? Yeah. So like, like it was, it was fine. It was fun. Yeah. But, Damn. So yeah. then, okay. You were talking about walking Phoenix agent and then uh, just the same thing you, you learned from the previous film, just talking to people, trying to get someone attached. This well, you just that. hear what they, you say what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you hear what they're asking for. You hear what they want. You know, it's just like they're just verbal. Um, what are they called? Uh, my lawyer told me the right word, <laughs> but uh, uh, discussional uh, negotiations or something like mm-hmm. that. So you just like ask for somebody's availability. They're going to ask you what the project is, and then this is another thing Robin said. She said always, always believe that you have all the money. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, because uh, for some reason, like, I mean, agents want to know that there's money. Yeah. And if you believe in your project that it should have money, then, then it will. So you, you, know? just, you were just telling like, yeah, we got a few million. I didn't even say that, no, because that's, I, I couldn't, I would say this is the budget that we're shooting for, you know. Oh. Um, and because I can't tell them that we have money, you know, um, but I can tell them about the story. Mm-hmm. And I could tell them why I'm making it. Right. And I can tell them why it's important for me and I can ask them if their character or their person or their talent is, is available. Yeah. And then they go, oh, what is this thing? Right. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, well, he's he's available these days because yeah. there's a protocol. They go all day long. You know, that's their job. They're answering phones going, no, 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 no. Uh, is he available? No, okay, yes, no, okay, yes. You know, like trying to schedule. They're trying to schedule stuff for their talent just as much as we're trying to get the, ta- the actors. Yeah. So, um, yeah. At, at this point, like, <laughs> Very much, it's like like we know the the tournament, and then because we're in it. But for those who are listening, it's like you're just perfecting pitching, and yeah. every day you were just pitching someone new. Like, how was that for you to develop these? Like, it's almost like salesman like yeah. qualities. Well, I read a book actually called "The Greatest Salesman in the World," really? <laughs> and uh, it takes about six months to read, maybe even like wow. eight, nine months. Because it's so dense, or it's like because. Because it's, it's just, it's like, I read it because there was a podcast where Matthew McConaughey said that he read it and it changed his life. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But it did. It changed my life. I would read that thing three times a day. And wow. you, you have to read it to know. So basically, like, it's like a mantra. You know what I mean? So you're reading these things about yourself over and over again. And it's reprogramming the way you feel and see yourself. So that your first instinct with somebody isn't like, Oh, why is this important? Why am I? Why do I have value? Your first instinct is like, oh hell yeah, let's go. Like, 
this this is just as important. My story is just as important as whoever else is out there. Like, why not? You know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you have to really read the book. It's like it's, you, it's literally just like reprogramming your brain to think good things about yourself. Right. So, yeah. And I know when I'm off base, I always try to go back to those like things that have like. Mm-hmm. Do you still have the book? Anchored now? me. Do you still read it? Uh, no, I haven't read it in a while. I might pick it up again. Dude, that book I had, I bought so many copies for people too, because it's just like. Yeah. But if you get through the whole book, you, if you recorded a video of yourself before you read the book, got through the whole book and recorded a video of yourself afterwards, you would understand what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm totally gonna do this. I'm totally gonna order this book after this. Dude, I know I don't get residuals or anything off that book. <laughs> where's my cut now? Um, but yeah, it was. It's a damn. So you were just reading this book and very much perfecting the skill of, of pitching and selling. Yeah, and just getting better and better. Yeah, and I mean I could still get better for sure, but mm-hmm. I'm more like interested now in like. I think a lot of people, especially me, early on, put the cart before the horse. Um, and things weren't ready. Like, they could be ready. Mm-hmm. But, like, who wants to make a shitty film? Right. <laughs> like, like, when the story is right, it will... Word, like, words are magic, dude. They're freaking weird. Like if like all it is is just a bunch of words on a page that make people think things in their head. So if you know like the formula on how people can think things and not get bored and like understand and c- connect with it, then like it then it will pass through enough people to get made. Yeah. Um at least like my philosophy is the first script has to be good. You can ma- you can make shitty scripts after that because you know, but the first one has to be like killer. Mm-hmm. Um so my my point is and this comes from a Tarantino interview that I watched, but he said, somebody's like, can you make Reservoir Dogs uh, nowadays? It's impossible to make like a movie do what Reservoir Dogs did. Like, that's just, you can't do that. And he's like, why not? I mean, like, what are you talking about? Just, <laughs> just make a fucking good movie. Like, if people want to watch the movie, they'll go to the fucking theater and watch the movie. You know what I mean? It's just like... <laughs> that's like, a good Tarantino impression. <laughs> like, but like, that's the point is like, just stop worrying about all this other bullshit like forcing people to watch your thing isn't going to do that yeah just like make it good and then everything else works you know like and people that try to get like distribution deals prior and stuff if a film is good enough like i read a a a book by this guy he seemed very cynical on his on his films and he was like, no one's going to want to distribute a thing. No, 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 no. It's like, sure, if that's the way you go into it, no one's going to want to distribute a thing. Your, your film's not going to be good. There's a million films just like yours. Why would they pick yours? It's like, because it's fucking awesome. Because people love watching it. How about that? You know? So, um, yeah. <laughs> I just think people should worry about making a good thing before they ever worry about anything else. Right. And that's from trying to worry about everything else first. Yeah. And then it not getting me where I wanted to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it starts and ends with the story, you know, and, and that, that's what's all, that's what it's about, you know? And pitching is so much easier when you care deeply about your story. Mm-hmm. So much easier. Right. Because it's not, you're not pitching, you're just talking about what you love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were talking about this a couple episodes back where I feel like I've been, I've been in the stint of writer's block for about five years now. And I can't fucking write a word on a page because I stop myself just about every time before I get 
any before I make any substance, and I say to myself, "Why the fuck does this matter? Hmm. Why does it matter? Why am I doing this? This is like, what is this for? Why should anyone care?" Yeah. And I have such difficulty like answering these questions. You know, I care because oh, this is an interesting thought that I just had. Let's put it on the paper. Hmm. Oh wait, what's the reception gonna be like? Why should I even fucking bother? And it's just like these very dark and like sticky feelings. And I've had so much trouble getting rid of them over the course of like, since I was 18 years old, bro. And I used to want to be a published author. Like I saw myself being published at this exact like time. I know. Hmm. And I really, really thought I was going to do it. And as soon as it's just like, it didn't happen. I didn't allow myself to recover, bounce back and to continue to keep trying. Yeah. I just had like all sorts of, uh, it was doubts, you know, it was insecurities, you know, you know, being young and inexperienced and like trying to do something that honestly, I thought, you know, it felt bigger than me, but I felt like I could like wrangle it at the same time because it just had that. There was also, you know, this confidence that came with just being young and maybe even ignorant. If yeah. Be that bold. But now that I've like gotten older, I feel like I see too much of the details of what could be, what could happen around it hmm. and what I mean by that is like oh you know who's going to care about this story am I going to be able to sell this story are they going to read this story you know instead of just believing this is awesome yeah I'm going to do this because I why are you making it I don't know other than the fact that it was interesting to me and I want to keep doing it and I feel like once it's done then maybe I don't have to talk about it anymore. I can let the work do the talking <laughs> for me. Yeah. But it's just like, mm. I, you know, I have never read a book on selling, which yeah. is probably bad because I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to be For the record, that book is not about selling in the least. It's, it's not even, like, it's not like, okay, sit down and when you approach somebody, you have like the, the five minute pitch and you have to, it's not like Grant Cardone, like, yeah. okay, in your, in your cold call, you got to say these three trigger words. You know, it's yeah. not like that at all. <laughs> <Trigger words. laughs> yeah, like, say, say sell three times and they will. <laughs> you know, like, say to the mirror. Yeah. Somebody can yeah. But I would say like all of that time and all of that thought power that you've been putting into that over these last five years in this phase you call the writer's block is, is, exactly the thing that builds the story it's keeping those things keeping those treasures keeping those thoughts close so that when you go back and you dive in and you have it all because it's it's hard to write something if you're in the middle of it but if you have it all then it then it just spills out because it's been there because it's been there because it's been in your in your brain and, and you have it you know um i was telling some other guy that the other, two days ago because he was saying the same thing it's like hard to, to, to just sit down and write but <clears throat> keeping keeping an account of all the feelings that you're having keeping an account of what's influencing your life what what thoughts and what what is like creating the you because that will be what is creating the thing the the, the product the 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 asset whatever you want to call it the script the the, the novel um but like, yeah, I, I think writer's block is misunderstood. I think that's just like the time where you're like trying to understand it yourself and you can't write it if you can't understand it yourself, you know? So, um, cause there's so many things in tramp and so many things in the other things that I'm writing, like the, 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 the opening scene, 
I wrote six years ago and I never thought I was going to do anything with it, but it was something that I made and it came back because it was important enough. So I don't know. I think give yourself some grace, man. Like I thought I would be, I thought I would have had my film made three years ago, two years ago. So yeah, it probably would have been enough for external yeah. circumstances. Yeah. I hope. Did I slept under a, a, a tree? The day before I got financing, or I, I got the agreement from the EPs for that. Slept under, yeah, I, I was losing my mind and I just like slept under a tree and just like sat there. And then I had the call with the company the next day. And uh, yeah, I was desperate enough just to not be full of shit and just ask for what I wanted. And yeah, but um, I feel like I don't know if I answered both parts of your... I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so then so then i'm just trying to be a better listener okay so then COVID happened everything fell through because COVID, and you know really shook up everyone's life you know and you you moved back home just because you know no i mean from my understanding even in la everything paused all yeah. the projects everything just stopped and so you just wanted to come back home and there was no work and i left the studio and i was like <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I put myself in the hospital. So I literally just needed like mm-hmm. space to freaking recover and be a human and like have my mom's soup and be with my sisters. And, you know, like. You just felt right. Yeah. It was just like I needed that. But So you just need to come back home and just after the, what was it, six years you were in L.A.? Yeah, so maybe four or five. I don't remember. Four or five years of L.A., all this crazy. Yeah, 21 to 20. Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so then, what was it, like a year ago? Because it was after the pandemic, right? Yeah, it was right after, right when the pandemic hit, I came back. Mm. Because, <sighs> what happened? Yeah, the financiers said like, hey, we don't, actually, no, I, I put myself in the hospital. Yeah, kind of like right when I found out that the pandemic was, so I was dating a girl that was, her parents worked in the Chinese government so she knew about like it was before like America's media was covering coronavirus seriously Mm -hmm. she knew about it and so they were freaking out and she was like dude things are gonna get really bad things are gonna get really really bad and I was like yeah right (laughs) and I went and bought a mask for her and I um, and I remember riding my bike down the road and I had my mask on and this girl's in her like a Prius and she looks at me and she's just like so scared like her eyes were just like starkly scared because I don't know because I had a mask on you know now it's so normalized but um yeah so I like right when that hit I put myself in the hospital and then while I was in the hospital is when like American media started covering it and then that's when um I moved back because the guy my financers they said that they were stuck in another country because the flights were shut down because they weren't, they were, I forget where they were over there somewhere. Um, the flights were shut down. And so I knew that they were stalling and they said, just wait, just wait. And I was freaking out because like I told so many people that the film was happening, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I just, I had a mental breakdown and I put myself in the hospital. Then I came back after that. I remember walking outside when I got out of the hospital because I was in like a home for like, like a month after, or yeah, like a month afterwards too. Cause I just, they're like, are you, are you ready to go? And I was like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I was just crushed. I was just like so, like I felt like a failure and a liar and like a, 
yeah, it sucked. But um, and do you feel like that that was just Ruth because you put your? I mean, like like we mentioned these stories and things we tell. Like it's in a sense the story in itself is a part of us. And yeah. then on top of that, you're then trying to sell it and trying to make it. And so much is riding on this idea. Yeah. And there was so momentum was so close and it just kind of all came down. Yeah, the momentum was so close. Like, mm-hmm. it was... <clears throat> yeah. And it just, like... When I heard that the EPs were stuck in flights and they said it's going to be delayed, and then I didn't really have any place to go because I bet everything on it. And I was staying at that girl's house. And I was just like, my car got repossessed. And I was in like the, the, the pits of it, you know? And I just was like, what am I doing? And I didn't have anywhere to go. She kicked me out. She should have. And she did. And uh, I just started walking. And I was just like, I didn't... Because the film didn't... I told her the film was going to happen. And then it didn't, you know? And so she's like, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, she grew up in China. And she's very like strict and like... So I, yeah, she was great, but, um, <laughs> and you were dating her. Yeah. She was like, all right, you're out. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Well, she was very gracious to me during all that time when I was uh-huh. developing it and working. Cause I didn't have another job. It's not like I was like splitting it. It was like, I had everything riding on this and I didn't have enough money to survive. And she was like, so kind to be like, so gracious, you know, cause I would only help a little bit, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so then it all fell apart and I put myself in the hospital. I was there for a month. Met some really cool people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Network everywhere you go. That's true. <laughs> were, you, were you wearing a suit? I just don't have to no, they, I had scrubs. They threw me in some, some scrubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So then you came out, you went out and then you were like, I got to go home. Yeah. And I was you just, just got to fly to back to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I remember walking in Pasadena and there was nobody it was completely empty no cars and there were just like city workers with like hazmat suits on like scrubbing the uh, crosswalk things it was weird because there was so it was just like we didn't know what hit us so yeah so you you came back home and you just spent uh, what six months just reconnecting repositioning what you wanted to do kind of three months yeah and then um got my head on my shoulders produced some music videos produced some other things and uh just been kind of rolling from there yeah i don't know it's weird trying to like like starting up a production company or whatever an entertainment company in the middle of a pandemic is kind of a hard thing to do i guess mm-hmm. so <laughs> like yeah. yeah but i remember before i was just doing like uh demo reels for people i would just like actors would be like oh i need some footage to send to my agent i'd be like all right let's shoot it and i would like write something and i was getting paid like a 100 bucks for like per demo reel which was so nothing it's so trash but i had to make money and i and i was too desperate to say no so yeah anyways (laughs) and now you're here now i'm here just rocking and rolling do you have like any need to want to go back to la or i visited so i helped uh like produce a documentary about coronavirus that we'll we'll see when it comes out but we got like a close-ish cut like a year after the pandemic um like 2021 i think um but we'll see i don't know i i distanced myself 
um, from that. But I was back there for that. And then I go back. I have friends out there. So I'm like, I got to meet my, hang out with my buddy Davey. And my dentist is out there. And like, yes, yeah, so I got to fly back there for that. But, yeah. um, and I like sometimes just I'll book random things or whatever. So yeah. like, a, like a Hulu, th- yeah, just random stuff. So no, 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 talk, talk, talk your shit for Hulu, the part of Hulu show. No, I was, uh, it was just on their, like, uh, I was, like, their, on their front of their website for, like, Halloween for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think it was again this year, but we'll see if they do it again. I don't know. Yeah. But I gave them the rights outside of my agent's uh, advice, so <laughs> I don't get residuals on that bad boy. Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just so you know. You know, oh shit, no, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you just turned out. Damn. So, so where are you? Are you still continuing the project that that you mentioned uh, in terms of like LA, like here now, trying to like? Yeah, well, it still has to take place part partly in LA, but we're gonna use the PRG's process um, process vehicle space to do a lot of the um, driving stuff. Because I originally wanted to like shoot it all practical and shoot it all just like a renegade freaking runaway train film Mm -hmm. and i wanted to like fast like a week before the production started and um just to get in like this like psychotic headspace and and uh but now i'm like you know (laughs) we'll see (laughs) (laughs) but yeah most of it's going to take place here Mm -hmm. um some of it will take place in la because there's just some scenes that are like on the beach and you can't like yeah cheat that right oh. like you could cg it or yeah. green it but i'm not like Girl that like. <laughs> <laughs> put a fake palm tree in yeah. there <laughs> but like yeah but most of it will take place here because it's a returning home film mm-hmm. it's about a guy that gets a girl pregnant and is running away and not ready to grow up and discovers all this history about his dad and um gets on a crazy kidnapped and gets taken home and has to face all that so. yeah. and so as of right now it's going like it's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, How does that feel after this whole journey you've been telling us? Feels, feels good. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I'm just so exhausted. Yeah. I'm like I still have to finish proofing it with my director, but now I'm on uh, snag for like three weeks, and then I was supposed to be on shrapnel, and and so I'm like, I don't have a lot of time, but yeah. we just need to get the proof done so we could send it for the clearance and do all that boring stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah it feels good yeah when are you aiming to shoot that we we are wanting to shoot it in april but uh we uh, we have to proof the script yeah. <laughs> and laura is important because she's directing it mm-hmm. and laura cunningham yeah. and um <laughs> and so she has to like go through it with me and make yeah. sure every single thing we understand together mm-hmm. um by her request. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I'm excited. Let me know if you need any help with it, man. I, oh, yeah. If you need anything, man. Of course. You, oh, of course. Oh, I have some skills. I'm not, not many, but... Bro, I'll be yeah. just standing. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. <laughs> we'll throw a beard. And, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe uh, our mutual friend was telling me, you, your facial, you've been growing out for this film, Yeah. Right? I grew it out since the, the first time the EPs bounced. I cut it, and then I've just been growing it since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nuts, dude. That's, that's I'm a, weird. That's some dedication, that's some right? Yeah. It's something. That's what they call the method. Yeah. <laughs> it's something. I'm just. It's stubborn. It's just like. Right. Are you gonna sh- clean shave in the moment you rap and you're done? Well, in the film, I I just oh. think it'd be so cathartic, dude. Like, 
I have had my beard for two years almost now. Uh-huh. And like, okay, I'm just picturing on set, like the day that we go to shoot the finish of the film, which yeah. is he has his shaved face. Mm-hmm. Like we don't like let production, we don't let anybody know, not we'll, we'll let production, know, but we don't let anybody on set know. Yeah. And I roll up with like a completely shaved face after like 20 days of shooting. And then we shoot that. It's just going to be this like, not only in me, but just in everybody, this complete shift in attitude and feeling that I'm like, for that moment alone, I'm like, hell yeah, that's fine. I've gone this far already. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to give in. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. Damn, that makes me want to, after this, just write. (laughs) You want to write. Wow. Damn. So then now in your life, you have your own production company. Finally, we're going to make this this film. Yeah. And act in it. Yeah. And and what we were talking about earlier is, you know, potentially start, open up a coffee shop. Yeah. So we're trying to basically like just build more media. So I've been doing articles on people, um, like editorials. Like my goal with ERA is just to like... And ERA is your production company. ERA, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is to just first of all, help develop films, help partner and do whatever I can with me and who I know and everything, blah, 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 to make things better here in New Mexico, um, to use my expertise per se, whatever that is, to help uh, productions, help things develop. I just have a lot of energy in terms of like making things. Like I just want to make as many things before I die. So like, like, if somebody tells me they're writing something like, dude, I'm going to bug you about that now. Your, your, your novel. You know what I mean? Like that's just the nature of how I am. When somebody tells me that they're working on something creatively, it's like logged into my brain and I don't forget. And I always make sure that like I'm checking on that stuff because that stuff is like, I feel like that's my job is to help make productions develop. Um, because there's so many stories that don't get heard, don't get made and they should. (laughs) So, um, and then in the nature of that, it's like, okay, writing articles helps that because it gives more press about people and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Taking photos helps that because it gives them more content about who they are and what they look like. Um, and uh, podcasts, you know, same thing. So, yeah. But the coffee shop will be sick because then we can like continue to build out that like kind of creative community and space where people can like write and and work and like have this like kind of like uh meditative space yeah that's such a crazy full circle moment you working at box (laughs) coffee shop emma stone to now you're out here about to make your film and you're gonna have a coffee shop yeah wow i have not thought about that (laughs) me there man that's cool i'm gonna be there a lot cool i think we'll record an episode there yeah (laughs) Yeah, for real Yeah. yeah Yeah. It's gonna be in the backyard of the the uh, wedding venue. So there's like a whole house that we never use, and we're gonna like deck that out, and uh, and then there will be sitting in that back green area that you've mm-hmm. seen. I don't know if you actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you went to the backyard, yeah, mm-hmm. um, that whole area, and um, yeah, that'll be the first. But that'd be dope. I mean, it'll also be yeah. different for the area surrounding it. Yeah, hopefully it'll help the community and. Um, yeah, but we're going to have to be smart with, like, how we let people in just because of the space, you know. Um, but we'll have, like, a list and probably just, like, have it, have people that are already signed up on the list, like, be able to go in, you know. Rather than having it, like, open to, like, full public, we'll have it, like, 
um, start that way at least. So it's because mm. it's not like we need a coffee shop there. Like like everything that's happening there is working fine. <laughs> but it's just like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's dope, bro. Well, damn, that's a massive full circle. So now we're here, present, living life. Damn. What about you guys? <laughs> I feel like, like on yeah, my podcast, I sit and listen way more than I am right now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no you're good, you're good. Well, how was your week? Tell us about your week. Well, that's oh, what man. we. That's usually how we start our episodes. How was your week? So now we can start the episode. All this okay. was the was the intro. <laughs> now, welcome to the episode. Welcome to the Beast of the Podcast. Oh man, how was my week? What's your name again? Uh, <laughs> Lobo? 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 Um, man, my day was, my week was good. That was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, man. Time's an illusion. Yeah, for yeah. real. I've just been, what have I done this week? I That's had so many, I, I had so, so many articles to finish. <laughs> and what the hell did I, what I, oh, I've been writing a lot. I'm proofing it with Laura. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And rock climbing. Dude, I rock climb all the time. Straight up. That's it. I'll start rock climbing one. You should. I gotta get back into rock climbing. We've talked about it. I gotta yeah. get back into it. How was your guys' week? Man, I just worked all week. Really? I'm in deep in production right now. Like, yeah. It was our, what we call hell week, like the week before we start shooting. Hmm. And oh. Yeah. Like 12, 13 hour days. Monday through Friday. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm like... Like, this morning I woke up and I was like, I need to go to the gym just to do something, like, mindless to, like, free my brain power. Yeah. And just, like, chill, you know? And just... Yeah. Yeah. Does that... Do you feel like the gym helps you with decompressing or, like... I would say so. Like, for sure, like, anything. Like, I want to get back to climbing. Um, I was telling Amadeo, I want to get back... Because I know how to play the accordion. I want to, like, get back into it. What? Yeah. Well, it's not, like, anything crazy. Like, I know how to play a little bit. It's not like I'm a professional. No. <laughs> if you listen to the episode, he guest started in the band in high school. Dude, Wait, come really? on. <laughs> what are you talking about? Where's the footage? Out. Come on. No. <laughs> but yeah, I want to get back into that. I think that'd be super cool. Um, but just, I don't know, like live life, you know? I think yeah. we get so caught up in our, like, which is good, like get caught up in our dreams and ambitions yeah. of careers, but it's also important just to like... like what are your hobbies, bro? What are you like doing hang out. Yeah. What, what are you doing that's not going to just like... Yeah. Well, well, in my eyes, like my hobbies yeah. are like writing and like working on these stories, because like my day job is like working production on films and like yeah. my but side you hustle. You want to do that? You want to do that full time? You want to do that? For, like, what are you doing just for fun? What are you doing? It's podcast. <laughs> the gym. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> really? There's not enough time to do much there else. Is, honestly, like we just need we need longer days. That's what. Yeah. We Luckily, dude, on this thing I'm doing, they like, they like guarantee my time, but I won't have to be there for that much time. So mm. like, yeah, I'm just like I have to drive to Santa Fe and drive back, basically. Yeah. <laughs> with the the drives for the day, and uh, so hopefully it won't be 12, 13 hour days. Yeah. We'll see. So you've been working out. Do you have a routine when you wake up, or do you have like a well, shit? <laughs> I wait no honestly you know I'm one of those psychotic people that I put my alarm at 6:45 a.m. but I don't need to be work at be at work till eight and I put that 6:45 a.m. so it feels like I sleep in for 15 minutes to like transition me to get up and then I get up and then yeah then I get ready and then I eat and then I go to work and then, then I get know. out 12 hours after <laughs> and then I go straight and the to sun the is down yeah the sun's down like oh I'm gosh. in a building all day and then. Yeah, and then I get out and it's it's like eight, and then I go to the gym and I get home like at ten, 
And then I have like one hour to either try to write, either like try to watch like some piece of like narrative work to like, yeah. you know. Keep sharp. Yeah, keep sharp and whatnot. Or, or just sometimes like this week, like I didn't do any of that. I just like laid there because I was so mentally gone. Jeez. And it's just like, yeah, it's just hard. Like even that's a whole other thing I'm dealing with where it's like, you know, like wanting to like keep that, that fire and that passion when it's hard to keep that fire and passion when you're not working towards your projects like yeah. there's no time in, in the week yeah. yeah when that fire and passion is being burnt on yeah on something, something else. else yeah and it's kind of like like after the, like i'm so lucky that this is gonna end in like what like 16 days 17 days yeah so i can go back to it but yeah dang yeah so yeah my week was okay <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah, i don't oh, remember yeah, it <laughs> oh man it's just like Okay, <laughs> Honestly, bro, I'm just working. Keep doing that every single day. Well, Monday through Friday, and then just like saving up my money, doing the very best that I can. I told you about this like last time. To now, today, in my savings account is the most I've ever had in my savings account in my entire fucking life. Hell and yeah. I'm proud of that shit. Yeah. I'm proud of that shit. I don't know why I didn't do it earlier. I'm doing it now. That's what counts. How's your brand? So, continuing to work on that, trying to take it in. You know, just like, what is the direction that it should be going in? Yeah. Like, what am I trying to figure out for it? And, like, how do I want to illustrate that story as time goes on? You know, so, like, how can I document this somewhat, uh, the effort, you know, the struggle, the grind, and the motherfucking rise. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about it. It's like, I wanted to start a YouTube channel. I've been thinking about it for a long time. And if there's one thing that people have, like, brought up about me or, like, pointed out about me that I do agree with, and that's, uh... I'm very irreverent about lots of things. Okay. I, I just like to just talk about shit and maybe, you know, tear down the system a little bit. That's how it's true. Well, this is the man right here talking about YouTube, yeah. man. Yeah, that is the man true. to talk about YouTube, man. But part of that is, you know, being... I wanted, I've always wanted to be, like, honest and kind of vulnerable when it comes to just the things that I do. You know, it's not... Like, yes, I like to post highlights. Like, yes, I like to make it seem like I'm living larger than I am. Yeah. Yes, and sometimes. Uh... But when it comes to the brands, you know, when I see other brands and other people doing their thing, it's always like, boom, boom, boom. This is what we're doing. We're popping. We're blowing up. We're getting shit done. We're grinding. Yeah. When, what about when you're not? What about when you're stuck? What about when you're thinking shit through? I want to see that. I want to see the process. But like, why should I see it when I could be it? (laughs) You know? And like, invite other people into doing, into what I'm doing. And why it means so much to me. Hmm. And why I started it in the first place. What is it called again? Liminalala. Lim- How do you say it? Liminalala. Liminalala? Liminalala. Cool. Liminalala. <laughs> Liminalala. <laughs> Try to spell it. <laughs> Lim- L-I-M. I'm bad at spelling anyways. <laughs> I'm like, W-X-Y. How many letters are there? No. Um, so why did you start it? I started it because when I was 15, I started a clothing brand with my friends. We wanted to be a part of the skate culture that was going on in our town. And we all had skated and we were all fans of, you know, just the culture and wanting to, you know, own our own little slice of it. Yeah. And of course it all fell through because we just didn't have any financial resources to contribute. We were all 15 and broke. No one's got a job. 
Yeah. You know, I, I want the fucking free version of Photoshop. To, you know, <laughs> <laughs> do, my, do my thing, you know, just trying to make it happen. But, you know, after it fell through, I still kept with it. I still learned design. And I never, uh, I, I, I never let go of how magical it was to wear something that I had conceptualized. Yeah. That I had thought about. And that is finally, like, real. You know, I can fucking touch. This isn't my shirt, but. (laughs) (laughs) And and there's something about that. I I can't call myself a fashion designer yet because I just haven't done anything by scratch. But I can call myself a graphic designer. I can call myself a designer, a visual artist. And I like the label. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, why not? Makes things simple. I don't have to be like, don't call me an artist. I'm a visionary. Or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, there's more to it than that. But I don't want to just talk about it. Now I want to show people what's going on. And so nothing quite yet. But but a YouTube channel is a good way of showing people. I'm getting there. I'm trying to think about like how to brand it though. Like, do I want to, should it be me or should it be the brand? Mm. Because I feel like the brand has a different image than my personal image i feel like brands can be so much more than an individual that's what's kind of cool about them too you know yeah, yeah. so it's something i had a an extreme moment of cognitive dissonance earlier this week and then it's involving nfts oh god so i don't know how much we want to go down that road but you know people have been bugging me about that shit for like the last year now like, they see my art in there, so like, like, bro, like, is this, like, do you have NFTs? Like, can I buy this? And I'm like, no, I don't have NFTs. I don't believe in NFTs. What the fuck is an you NFT? You don't believe in NFTs? I don't believe in NFTs. Why not? And because I, I was the person that was horrible for the environment. Oh, yeah. The, like, uh, the servers. Amount of energy consumption yeah. that it requires to mint this digital piece of work. I don't know, I read like a stupid figure somewhere and this is gonna, like, I, as soon as I saw the headline, bad for the environment, I was like, get that shit away. Yeah. You know, I didn't even like really dig it deep. I was like, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when someone, like, there was an article and it was like, yeah, this, to mint a single NFT is like three years of leaving the refrigerator door open or whatever the fuck. I was like, Whoa. okay, hold on a second. And I didn't want to dive. Dude, and, and like 12 year olds are just minting them day and day over and over day and like, day yeah come I don't on. know how accurate that statement is because I mean I just didn't I wasn't so interested in it to yeah. like want to find out the truth you know fuck I want to do an NFT I should really find out the truth hmm. I didn't and now I opened an account on a specific uh, NFT dealer but the thing is you have to be invited to be a part of it crypto.com no uh-huh. um, foundation Oh, okay. Foundation. You have to be invited by another creator. Yeah. And I could be on like OpenSea maybe or like Nifty, but you have to apply for Nifty as well. Cause, yeah. You know, it's all these like finance bros and shit. Like, you're not cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, just wear a suit, dude. And then <laughs> just, just wear a suit. suit in the interview, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, on the horizon of just like expanding the digital. I think space. decentralization is a very powerful thing for the economy <laughs> to uh, distribute wealth equally. It's time to yeah. shout it from the rooftop. Digital <laughs> art is art. All right. <laughs> And I was just like, okay, let's open an account. Fuck it. You know, what's going to happen? And then as soon as I opened it, I, I wanted to deactivate it. But I have, a, I have a very impulsive mind. So when I thought about it, I was like, right, right, let's do it. 
and then I instantly regretted it. I was like, fuck, let's tear it down. Wait. Yeah. Maybe let it sit for a bit. No, I don't believe in it. I don't want to destroy the world. The world's already being destroyed. <laughs> Wait. But Watch it burn. I don't, no. really, I don't want to contribute to it anymore. Wait. Can I make a million dollars? No. What if I did? No, that's not what it's about. Yeah. And just like going back and forth and feeling like a piece of shit for going into something that I don't fully understand quite yet, but that's just been hyped about. It's like, you know, when the Yeezy dropped in 2015, and I was like, this is the ugliest shit I've ever seen, and now it's just like, that's fucking sick. You know what's <laughs> crazy? I had Yeezys given to me when I was in the hospital. Really? Yeah. Or I was in the group home afterwards, yeah. They gave me, some random person showed up, had a bag of shoes, and gave me Yeezys. It was weird. Yeah. But uh, I skateboarded and then put a hole in the top of it. So... <laughs> And then this dude was like, I, where, what did he say? He's like, dude, what the hell are you doing with skateboarding? I was like, I don't, they're, they're comfy. I don't know. But anyways, I interrupted you. <laughs> so you're doing NFTs. So I'm not. Oh, I'm you're not. not? I just have the account. I haven't even minted anything yet because I'm not a part of the platform. I just have a profile. No one's invited me. So if you get if invited. If I get invited and someone wants me to make something. How does somebody invite you? What's the. They already have their a creator on the website, on this specific website. They like what you do. They think that you should be a part of it as well. So they send you an invitation. You accept it. What do and they now, send to? What's your like username? Uh, I think it's uh, it's just Adlib and Alala. So okay. It's the same as everything else. Okay, on cool. The socials. And so if someone invites me, <laughs> I'm just like, if, if I know someone invites me to it, then that's when I'm gonna be like, okay, I need to, I need to figure this out. I need to find out everything that this is about. Yeah. I know what it stands for, non-fungible token, but I need I'm, more than just that kind of knowledge. What does fungible mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> the heck? So it's just, it's just like, what is this? What is it doing? Why does it matter? What's it going to do for the fucking planet? Okay, so like metaverse. How does it lie with my values? <laughs> metaverse. Why does it have values at this point? Like, are NFTs only... Okay, this is an interesting question. Just came to my head. Are NFTs only valuable because you're, you're limiting... Okay, so... You, in the metaverse, like right, like let's pretend like in five years or whatever, ten years, we're in the metaverse and there's one out of a kind items. We're in the metaverse. <laughs> well, like we're just chilling, like yeah, like this. We're just chilling, like there's in the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in my room and you are all in your rooms and we're all we're just like this. We're, yeah. But in the metaverse and like that couch is super sick, but like we don't want everyone to be able to have that couch we want to have some value intrinsically built into that couch more than zeros and ones because all it would be is zeros and ones in a metaverse so we mint it therefore it's limited edition and only items that are minted can be allowed in a virtual space then it would have value versus if it didn't it wouldn't have value but everyone can have anything anything would be free it's the same issue we have in the world today where like if we had free energy would we want free energy because then there wouldn't be there would be power structures would completely crumble you know i don't know it just came to my mind well, I mean, yeah, let's say you have this couch right here and they come by you know fuck that's the couch for the be somebody podcast yeah and you know that by itself okay that's that seems like there's some kind of value to that there but i mean you can take a picture of this couch you can even find similar couches or find a say, better couch it's all torn up if we're in the metaverse maybe you can take the exact couch and put it in your own meta, meta home yeah <laughs> but you don't have the original but so you like, couldn't even put the exact because it would have to be minted. You'd have to be minted. And you can't have the original. Like, yes, you can screenshot a picture of the fucking ugly monkeys that are circulating all over the web and yeah. selling for the price of a Porsche. But That's nuts. 
you don't have the original. <laughs> you don't have the one that's actually worth a Porsche. But what I'm saying is, if the barrier to entry on a virtual space was that everything had to be minted, then you couldn't screenshot a fake couch. I couldn't bring in a fake couch into the virtual space that we would be interacting in. It would have to be a minted item, right? Are you just tracking with that? Like, yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, so. if that was a limitation on, on a virtual space being yeah. existed. Like, yeah. without, like, buying things virtual, like, one-of-a-kind minted items that are that are on the blockchain, you would just be sitting in, like, a blank room in your virtual space. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I see what you're saying. The legendary, <laughs> legendary rarity NFT. <laughs> yeah. But that's, like, down the line, I feel like, once they can... It really, it really is. But, I mean, simulate trying, reality better. So fucking times. Do you remember Second Life? Yeah. There was Second Life, there was VR, VR but, chat. But it, it's about... It, What's different here? What's different this time? With, like, Metaverse? Or with, like, the, sure. the goggles? Um, talking about the Metaverse. Like, yes, augmented reality and virtual reality. But it's not like it hasn't been done before. It hasn't been done, but those things are pretty trip. It has been done in some aspects. But, but, but the Metaverse thing is trippy. But, like, I was sitting in a room hanging out with people pretending to take virtual selfies. It was weird. <laughs> like it was weird and it felt like i was actually having fun yeah. standing in a room by myself doing this <laughs> oh take a selfie oh my gosh hand it to me wow that's so cool like and it and it it tricked me enough to enjoy it but like when they get better at tricking the human mind into virtual space it'll get even more and more and if the trajectory continues then it will get crazier and crazier like facebook is working on like haptic touch gloves and stuff like that and if they're able to bring it to market at a scalable price which facebook would be able to because they're they that's what they're trying to take over that it theoretically could i don't know <laughs> no it could that's scary and then it what could. happens to film dude like, fuck it fuck. that's lame that's hella lame it's scary we, what's yeah. gonna beat the real life experience you can't mint real life bro well i mean i don't even know like we're talking about like creating these like fake stuff and all that i don't know if you saw like the whole pushback that was happening from uh what is the Mandalorian, like the Star Wars series, where a lot of that was shot in front of like a screen, like it was the set and then there was like the screen built and yeah. they were like faking these just like massive scenes like that has never been done before and just shooting, you know, like a way nicer version of what they used to do in the 50s where like a guy that's like driving a car and yeah. they like project the back, you know, yeah. but like towards like a hundred notch now with like the Mandalorian <laughs> where it's like these crazy... They're, they're tracking the position of the camera mm -hmm. with the position of that yeah. so it moves and they're um creating 3d virtual spaces in unreal engine it's nuts it's nuts but you have to do it right like yeah. you could have a shitty 3d virtual space and it looks like shit mm -hmm. but yeah so wait the pushback with that was what it was just the whole idea of like i do remember that is, is this, why was it cool was that a oh. no, no no it was because like people are like this isn't film anymore like you're not like you're creating this like false narrative and like there's just yeah. a lot of pushback from just people like this isn't what cinema's about. It's but. like you would not see Christopher Nolan step two feet into that. Yeah, building. exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, let me build that actual huge structure rather than just simulating it for cheaper. Yeah. Like, let me actually blow up a plane. Yeah, it's tough because you do make sacrifices. But dude, I was touring the PRG uh, place here in town, mm -hmm. and they were showing me examples of simulating like a car driving with. Uh, a uh, LED screen up here and an LED screen all surrounding it and you get the same effect because it's moving and it tricks the human mind enough because you're seeing the reflections off of the side of the car you're seeing it off the roof and the glass and 
and it's cheaper. Like think about in terms of scheduling, like driving scenes. If you have a lot of driving scenes and you have talent, like you can book talent out for like three days and shoot all of the driving stuff that would have taken place in all over New Mexico. Yeah. Any three days versus like driving to like all each location, having to set up a base camp, having to set up right. all that stuff, like permitting the streets, like yeah. No, it's way cheaper for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Evolution. Damn. What a week, huh? What a week. <laughs> Some people are going to be joining us on these couches over here, huh? <laughs> Sitting in the podcast with us virtually. Whoa. That'd be dope. That'd be insane. All of them wearing suits. <laughs> Join our metaverse room. Oh yes. All right. As, as we wrap it up here, we do this little thing called, uh, let me put you on. Let me put you on. <laughs> Where basically the idea is, we just either shout out an artist music a film a book that you've read anything that you're like oh i want more people to see this i want to highlight this cool that, that i've done or or it could even be a habit like taking a walk before something you know big that you're stressed out about anything really there's this sick short film coming out called stalled and uh <laughs> <laughs> and i saw like a early cut of it and it's freaking awesome yeah i also saw it kind of needs to be colored <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stalled is a short film that I'm going to be releasing soon. Yeah, I saw a cut, but I didn't really think it was all that. Something, <laughs> something big is coming. Something big. It's beautiful. Big things are coming. We'll see, we'll see. It's a beautiful um, story. But, yeah. You want to, you, want, you should start it off. Or we can that was mine, was it? Oh, I, I thought you were just being... Okay, okay. I don't have anything else. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, what about you, I can tell you, dude, it's hard. Oh my god, it's hard. Like I, I go, like, dude, for the last. All right, I'll days, start. Dude, I'll I don't start. know. I saw a beautiful movie. Yeah, I, shout I, out the movie. movie see. Okay, what is it? It's called Drive My Car. Yeah. Drive My Car. Have you seen Drive My Car? No. Dude. Good. That movie messed me up. It was a three-hour movie. It felt like like a whole day, bro. A whole lifetime. Really. Like, <laughs> oh, a whole god. lifetime. Yeah. Man, that's a good. It literally felt like the timeline. Of the movie. I feel like I like have a hard time picking what YouTube video to watch while I'm taking a shit. Like I don't know how I'm gonna pick a three hour movie. You know no, that movie's worth it for sure. That one and this other one that that's also in the Oscar nominations. It's uh the worst person in the world. I've heard good things. Two, those two are my favorite. Like this year for sure. What about Licorice Pizza? <laughs> shit. No, Licorice Pizza was like it was entertaining and it was fun, but. Yeah, no, man, I think... No, I'm not trying to just, like, lower that. It's, it's a bad... No, I liked it. It was cool. It was fun. Um, I think... Yeah, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I don't know. It, it wasn't... Like, I, I was having this conversation with uh, my roommate about a film that I watched. Um, damn, should I really throw it under the bus? Yeah, I'll throw it <laughs> Nightmare Alley, which came out of oh, yeah, a yeah, film, where... Yeah. And he put, like, for sure, I'll acknowledge the production design's insane. Have you seen it? Like, the carnival. No, but... Like, they basically rebuilt this carnival. It looks insane. Amazing performances. Like, great cinematography. A really, like, hooking story. But, like, for me, it's just, like, I wasn't... It didn't hook me as, like, I felt like it should have. And so... Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, and I was entertained. But leaving the theater, I was like, oh, that was cool. And then, like, it wasn't something of, like, driving back from the theater to my house. Like, I was already, like, thinking about something else. Like, listening to some other music. Mm. Not to say that was a horrible movie. It just, like, didn't move me in any way, you know? Mm. But they, I still acknowledge it's a great movie. Like, so, same thing of, with Licorice Pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But opposed to, like, Drive My Car, like, The Worst Person in the World, like, I'm still thinking about The Worst Person in the World, and I watched it 
February like twelfth, I think. Dang. Like like almost like yeah, like I it's I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, damn. Like that shit it just moves you and it just connects you in a, in a spiritual, personal level of like I'm I can I'm going through this in my life right now and this yeah. this film just heightened that to a hundred percent. See, that's I don't think I don't know, I haven't seen it, but I don't think they set out to like try to get distribution deals before whatever you know what i mean yeah. they just tried to make something that yeah. was real and honest exactly that's what at least from about. what i'm hearing you say yeah, yeah. no that's <laughs> what it's about story. it's about yeah. the story man it's about this character it's about what is yeah like i care about this i went through this like i'm sure there's someone else that's going through and that that can relate to it yeah and yeah i related to it and i care about it <laughs> yeah so that's um, cool but yeah my let me put you on you know i haven't really taking in a lot of things because i've just been working like i said but uh rex orange county just dropped their new album and i've been listening to it and that's my let me put you on it's got a tyler feature yeah oh sick yeah. but yeah rex orange county i gotta listen more of that <laughs> wait what was yours oh uh, the the movie yeah he, oh he yeah talked okay. about it more than i okay. talked about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was my turn to speak. <laughs> Whatever. I feel like uh, you need to sit closer next time to the mic. I feel bad though, how far you are. I'm going to put you on the NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Damn, y'all. Well, cool. th- th- thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Well, pleasure, bro. Yeah. Of course. Thank you, too. I'm, is, I'm grateful. Is there, d- just to like end it off, because I feel like you lived again so much, so much <laughs> lives. Is there like one thing that you could tell someone out there whether it's like they're trying to like find their path and they're like lost and don't know what to do like what's one piece of advice that you would you dropped a lot of great advice by the way i'm, I'm gonna go back and like you know write down those of those <laughs> yeah, things all those words was just like when i like tripped and fell on my face i was like damn that sucked what was that and then i look yeah. back and it's like oh okay that's what that was and then i just say it and then, yeah i don't know if it's advice or just me, <laughs> me shitting up but um was it the advice for somebody uh, just uh, uh, care about people. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I like that no, really. yeah. Care about people. Be honest. People care about you and talk yeah. about them. Yeah. Be honest. Yeah. Know what you want. Care about people. There's more good people than bad in the world. Learn tools on how to like decipher too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wear a suit. Wear a suit. Wear a suit. suit. There we go. What color is your suit? It's like uh, it's like uh, grayish, like speckled gray, with like uh. Oh, I have another suit too. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. Well, I I bought one when I was pitching to this uh, rich dude in Vegas one time. Part, yeah. two, part two, yeah. part two, part uh, two. Well, thing. you'll get that story when we're on your podcast. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, cool. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Levi Lobo. That's right. What's up, right, everyone? Well, this was uh, the Be Somebody podcast. <laughs> Be Somebody special episode. Levi Lobo. Um, catch, wow. See, well, see you next time. We'll catch you guys another time. Take care. Peace. Later. Later.